Hey there. We at Bigger Pockets wanted to share a quick update about this episode. As of November 2023, Cesar Pena has accusations that have been brought against him for wire fraud. We reached out to him for comment but did not receive a response. Bigger Pockets vets all their guests, but occasionally guests may still find themselves in hot water or legal troubles. This whole incident is a reminder that no industry is immune to criminal behavior and bigger pockets will continue to stress to our audience that they do their own due diligence, especially when investing with other people. In Bigger Pockets Podcast episode 850, we cover five red flags to look for when investing with someone else, like in a syndication or a partnership. I'd recommend you check out that episode to learn more about what to look for in operators to avoid potentially being taken advantage of yourself. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 450. Five. I, I got to be able to say, you know what? I was able to teach a community how to invest in, in properties. We were able to teach somebody that had no clue and gave them inspiration. And the best feeling is when you hear somebody's mom hit us and say, hey, my son was 22. He was an F up. And now he's into real estate because he came to your seminar or a kid that had no clue and was renting for 20 years and be like, I don't want to be like my mom. Can you teach me? And, and that's what we're doing. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brendan Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David. I'm so envious of you, Green. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Brandon? Thanks for that. I'm doing great, man. So our guest today is DJ Envy, who you may know from the super huge following, famous show, uh, morning radio show called The Breakfast Club. Uh, they're syndicated on like over 100 stations. They're one of the biggest radio shows in the entire world. And uh, and then Caesar, which is his, like, his real estate guy, and their stories are so powerful and amazing and good. And so you're going to hear all about that today about both of them. Envy talks about one of his deals he bought. It was like 12 million, bought it for like half that much. And now it's gone back up to like almost where original price was. I mean, just millions of dollars uh, of growth there. Um, in fact, w- one of the gentlemen actually learned how to invest while in prison. You're going to hear that story. Crazy good story. So I think you guys are going to like this episode today. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. Today's quick tip is simple. We talk about this in the show a little bit today, but it's one thing to build wealth for yourself. That's great. You and your family, generational wealth, that's amazing. But I want to encourage everyone to just think, how can I pay this forward to more people? How can I let more people know about the power of real estate? Whether it's I just I talk about it, whether you're meant to someday write a book or someday you're going to go and start a podcast, whether you're going to just post on your Facebook real estate stuff, whatever it is, how can you give back to those people that are, that are out there that are thirsty? I'll tell you a true story. I once spoke at a local high school out here, a local high school back, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago. And I actually thought it was kind of like, I didn't do that good of a job. It was weird because of COVID. I'm wearing my mask. I couldn't read any of the kids because everyone's wearing a mask, right? And I just kind of felt like overall, like I kind of like didn't didn't reach anybody at all whatsoever. Like they just couldn't care less about real estate. Anyway, so yesterday I'm in the parking lot, actually at Target. My wife's inside Target grabbing something. And this kid knocks on my window and I rolled on the window. He's like, dude, you're that guy that spoke at my school. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, I, I like bought a bunch of your books and I've been listening to your podcast and following you on Instagram. And like, I'm, I'm going to do real estate. And I can't wait to get in. And he was like super excited. And I was like, that's cool. Right. And it's just like one life. Right. But like, that's just my longer than a quick tip message for everyone today is you never know whose little life you can impact. So 
talk about real estate, talk about what you're doing. We see from our guests today that the desire to help people led to a huge business that I'm sure helps them in many ways, makes them better investors or is them income, gets deals coming their way. I'm sure that deals come their way through the funnel that they created with the intention of just, we want to help people. So uh, in a capitalistic environment, you are definitely benefited by helping more people. I think that that's something to keep in mind. Time to get into the show. Long enough introduction here. Let's bring in our guests today, DJ Envy and Cesar Pena. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. All right. Uh, Envy and uh, Caesar, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, man. How you guys doing? Thanks for having us. It's an honor to have you guys. Really, like it's it's amazing. So let's let's jump into your story a little bit. We'll start with you, Envy. Uh, by the way, Envy, best way to to call you Envy, not DJ Envy. No, Envy's fine. Okay, all right, we're gonna go with Envy. Uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. Where where uh, how'd you get? How, how do people know you? Let's start there. How do people know you? I'm a kid from Queens, Queens, New York. 
Um, and I'm just like any other kid growing up. I was, you know, didn't have a lot, but didn't need a lot. My neighbor at the time was a DJ and I didn't know what he did. All I knew is he drove fancy cars and had nice jewelry. So one day when I was waiting for the school bus, I stopped his car and I was like, you know, what do you do? And at the time it was a Honda Accord. Now, when I was growing up, a Honda Accord was everything. Like that's what you wanted. That's what you lived for. And he had a Honda Accord and I asked what he did. And he told me to come by his house after school. So after school, I came to his house and I thought he was going to be selling drugs, something illegal. And he told me he was a DJ. And at the time... It was, uh, I didn't know who he was. He told me his DJ name and his name was DJ Clue. And at the time, mm. people didn't know who Clue was because all he used was the question mark symbol on all his mixtapes because he was playing all these people's records and didn't want anybody to know his face. And I was bootlegging his tape in high school, like selling it. And I didn't know. It. And he kind of introduced me into DJing and told me what to get and what to do. And the rest was history. Now, I read something that you're a, a mixtape DJ. What does a mixtape DJ do? Like So before Spotify and Apple Music and SoundCloud and all this, there was nowhere to get mixes. So you would have to buy it from uh, bootleggers, African bootleggers, mom and pop stores, or even record stores where DJs would make their own mixes. Me, Clue, Drama, uh, DJs like that. And that's how we would sell. And we would sell thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of mixtapes. And and we would sell more than a lot of the artists that came out. Because now if an artist comes out, instead of just getting one single, you get his best single on my mixtape. Then you would get DMX's best single on my mixtape. And then Jay-Z's best single on my mixtape. So we were selling so many units and that was considered a mixtape. That's awesome. So how did you go from that to you know the host of The Breakfast Club now, one of the guys on there? And like, where did that transition come from? So I was on Hot 97 at first and I was just a mixer and I wanted more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to just be more than a mixer. So I asked and they teach me how to become a host. Uh, and they said, sure. So at first, you know, I was trying to talk proper. Hi, this is Sean. Hi, you know, and it was like, nah, just be yourself and, you know, do things that you would do. And that's what I pretty much did. And I did Hot 97 for about eight years and I did mornings and I wanted more. And they didn't have more. They couldn't offer me more. So at the time, Power 105 was the station I'm at now. It was kind of like a sinking ship. It was the second station. Nobody was really messing with it. And they made me an offer, made me a deal. So I went over there. I started doing afternoons and everything was good. But they needed a morning show. So they asked me would I do a morning show. I said, hell no. They offered me some money. I said, hell no. They offered me some more money. And I said, yes. <laughs> and um, it was supposed to be my morning show at first. But I didn't want a morning show because I was like, if it doesn't work, where do I go after this? So uh, we came up with an idea to create a collective. Uh, we brought on Charlemagne. We brought on Angela Yee. And we came up with all these different names, Illuminati in the morning, the big three and all these different things. And somebody came up with the idea to Breakfast Club and it stuck. And 10 years later, we're still here. I love it. And you guys are like syndicated around what, what over 100 stations now or something like that? Yeah, over a hundred stations now and uh, overseas, the military stations. And yeah. it's, it's great. It's a blessing. So the same three people that you founded it with have been the same that you've had the entire time. Hasn't changed. 10 years. We, just, we made it into the uh, Radio Hall of Fame uh, mm, last year. But no, hasn't hasn't changed. The same three members and we're still rocking. All right. So who's DJ Shrimp? DJ Shrimp is my name. I was uh, <laughs> okay. in high school. I was five, two. I'm six foot now, but I was five, two in high school. So when I started DJing, it was me and my friend at the time. I was DJ Shrimp. He was DJ Mono. And together we were Envy Productions. So the high school that we went to, we always used to say people envied us. So we were called Envy. We weren't making no money. So he told me one day, look, I don't want to do this no more. I'm into girls. You do this. So I just <laughs> kept doing it and kept doing it. And 
every time I would bring a tape, it would say Envy on it because it was both of us. So the African bootleggers who would sell it was like, you got the new Envy? Oh, Envy's here. And it just stuck. Thank God, or you'd be calling me DJ Shrimp right now. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One more story David and I have to pull out of you today, you know, before we jump over to Caesar and we'll get into real estate a little bit. I heard you got a gun pulled on you from somebody famous at one point. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, Nas. And Nas hates when I tell this story, but Nas (laughs) pulled out a gun on me. This is when I first started doing mixtapes. Um, I used to carry my mixtapes in my book bag and bring them to different stores and mom and pop stores. And I see Nas. One day Nas was in by Jamaica Avenue where you would go buy your shoes, your sneakers, your clothes, your mixtapes. And uh, he had, a, I remember, a white GS, Alexis GS, and he had a girl with him. And I see it. I'm like, that's Nas. Now, being from Queens, Nas is, is everybody's idol. So I'm running up to him. Nas, I got something for you. I got something. So I'm reaching in my bag to get a mixtape. And by the time I pull a mixtape out, he has a gun on me. Like, what you got for me? What you got? I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is a mixtape. I swear this is only mixtape. And then he took the mixtape and was like, you know, don't play like that, man. You know, these streets are real. And he got his car. <laughs> Does he remember that? Have you talked to him about it since? Every time I talk to him about it, we, the story comes up and he hates when I tell the story. He was like, Envy, that was 20 years ago. I'm a different guy. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still traumatized. You know, now <laughs> I never go up to anybody and be like, I got something for you. I go up with my hands up. I have something for you. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so he does remember that too then? He does remember it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's uh, let's jump over. Caesar. Uh, how'd you get connected with Envy here? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Nick DeGrit. He owns the label where uh, Fetty Wap is signed to. Uh, he's the one that discovered Fetty Wap in Patterson. I'm from Patterson. And he did the introduction between me and Envy. And you do you do a lot of real, I read that you do a lot of real estate stuff, right? I think you're pretty hot and heavy in that. I've been doing real estate now for about 15 years. Uh, and me and Envy have been doing real estate seminars since we met about two two years ago, mm-hmm. two, two and a half years ago. Um, to be honest with you, it was never in my cards to be a public speaker. I met Envy. You know, he told me that I, I had a great story and I would inspire a lot of people. And we started doing seminars. Yeah. So let's hear about the last story. Like where did, where'd you come from? How'd you get into this uh, real estate game? Uh, you know, I'm a street guy. I, I'm self-educated. So I ended up, you know, doing a lot of things I, was, I wasn't supposed to when I was younger. I ended up in prison. Uh, before I came out, I met a guy in there um, and he told me about real estate. I came home. Uh, I got into real estate since then. And I've been doing it for 15 years. I started with the smaller properties, you know, your two, three, four family homes. Then uh, I was in that space for a while. Uh, back in 08, you know, when everybody was running away from real estate, right? That That's when I when, that's when I, I jumped in. And um, I started with the smaller properties, flipping properties, smaller rental properties, got into commercial properties. Uh, then um, kept on going, kept on going. Now we have about 1,600 rental units in the US and we flip about 50 to 80 single family homes a year. And now we're also developing bigger buildings, uh, a 50 unit, a 60 unit, an 80 unit and a hundred unit. That's awesome. We are in New Jersey, Atlanta, Florida, and Chicago. And Detroit. And Detroit. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and you got a new book, Flipping Keys, right? I want to yeah. make sure we plug that thing. There we go. Yeah. That's awesome. Amazon, wherever books are sold. Very cool. You know, uh, it's doing very well. Number one real estate book. Uh, number one new best uh, new release. Uh, I think I was number one over the weekend too. Um, uh, money and finance. Uh, a whole a whole bunch of categories I didn't even know existed. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought when I went, out, I checked it out this morning, and I thought, yeah, I had a little number one bestseller. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, 
crushing it there. So Caesar, I have a question for you. When you first started in real estate investing, obviously there was a switch that got flipped and you took it to be really big. Do you remember if there was a pivotal point where something clicked or you realized, oh, this is the way I'm going to do it. And you went all in. You're like I said, I, I'm, I'm self-educated. The guy that I met uh, in prison, he ended up having to do another seven years. So I was only with him for maybe a year. So I came out uh, and I, I started learning everything on my own. So when I first started, I didn't have any money, right? So we had to sell a car. I pawned my wife's uh, engagement ring, pawned our jewelry, everything, right? Just to get that first deal done. So year one and two were probably the toughest because at that point, I would, I would take all the money that I had, right? Buy one property. So I sold that property or refinanced that property. I didn't have any more money to buy properties or to play with, right? So year two, this guy called me up and he's like, hey, you're doing it the wrong way. OPM, other people's money. And that's when I learned about private financing and hard money loans and how to leverage my money, right? Which is one of the most important things in real estate is leveraging your money, how to leverage so you can buy more. So after that happened, that's when I went from doing two to three deals a year to doing 20 to 30 deals a year. That's awesome. What what kind of creative strategies have you focused on? I mean, like the, the hard money, have you done other things as well? You know, um, it all depends on the deal, but pretty much, you know, when I first started back in 08, it was pretty much kind of like the bird method that everybody talks about. I was buying properties, 60, 80,000, uh, putting 30 or 40,000 into them, uh, fixing them, renting them, refinancing, taking that money out, that new equity and buying more property. And I was in that space for about 10 years. But again, every real estate market changes. And uh, we're not in that space anymore in the tri-state area. When I first started, I was buying properties, you know, anywhere between 40,000, you know, to a hundred thousand that doesn't exist right now. The market's on fire. Yeah. Right. So that was the space I was in back then. So just by learning how to stretch my money, uh, buying more with less by using private financing, that's how I, I got ahead. All right. Let's jump back over to Envy and ask, where's your interest in real estate lie? I know you talk about real estate a lot. Uh, where's your interest? Like where'd that come from? This idea of real estate investing and generational wealth in general. Uh, and then what does that look like today for you? What's your relation to real estate? Right. Well, Caesar has over 1,600, close to 1,700 uh, doors. I have 134 doors. That's uh, awesome. So. I'm far behind him, far behind him. <laughs> You're just, uh, just getting warmed up. <laughs> just getting warmed up, yeah. So what happened was when I bought my first house, I got my first check. Uh, and I'm from Queens. And I couldn't f- afford anything close to New York. I had to live in a town called West Milford. If you're not from New Jersey, this is where they tape Friday the 13th. It's woodsy, lakes. That's where they, they, they pretty much taped it. So what wound up happening was I would uh, DJ at night and then have to drive home and I would fall asleep. So I couldn't live there anymore. So I sold the property within four months. And I think in four months, I made $80,000 selling that property. And I was like, this is at the time, this was more than I was making a year. I'm like, this is great. So that's what I started doing. I didn't know anything about real estate. Like like Caesar said, I was self-educated when it came to real estate. I had no clue. So I was doing it all wrong. I was actually buying a property, living in it then selling it. And then I'd have to move everything to another property. But every year I was doing this, it was doing great. So one year I bought two properties and the market fell. And I just remember having three mortgages and not that nobody wanted to buy the properties, but nobody could get mortgages and loans. So I was doing everything. I was doing bar mitzvahs. I was doing, what's the Spanish 316? Quinceañeras. Quinceañeras. I was anything I could possibly do to make money. I was making money to buy these properties. And I wound up selling them finally. And I was like, you know what? Real estate is not for me. I don't like it. Angela Yee, who's a, a co-host, a co-worker with me at uh, the Breakfast Club, she had a boyfriend in Detroit and was like, hey, 
Envy, there's these houses in Detroit that are going for like 10, 15,000. You really should look at it. They're downtown. It's not, you know, not far. So I bought three of them. I bought three of them. I didn't know what to do with them. And I just pretty much paid the taxes. Uh, I found a contract in Detroit and I started to use him. And that was a disaster. I remember going to one of the house and he had bathroom tile on the master bedroom wall. And I'm like, well, what is this? And he was like, well, that's my style. I'm like, I'm not paying you for your style, bro. So I kind of <laughs> closed up shop and I didn't know what to do. So I just kept paying taxes. I just kept paying the taxes. And uh, Nick DeGritt, who was the, you know, the person that F- Fetty Wap is signed to, was like, I got a guy I want you to meet. He does real estate. And now at the, at the time, everybody does real estate. You know, you sell one house, you do real estate. So I kind of brushed it off. And then he was like, no, I really want you to meet this guy. So I went to his office, which was Caesar, me and my wife. And he was like, yeah, I have all these properties in Patterson and this, that, and the other. He's like, let me show you. I was like, all right. He, I was like, I'll follow you and you drive. He was like, no, you have to get in my car so I can show you. So my wife is standing behind him like, nah, we don't know him. Nah, we're not getting in this car. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm like, I can follow you. He's like, no, you have to get in my car. So I'm like, all right. So me and my wife get in this car and we start traveling. He starts showing us all the properties he has, what he owns, what he purchased, what he did, how he did it. And he was like, this is what I do. And I was like, well, I do the same. And he was like, you know, I want to help you. And I was like, you know, he started telling me a story. And I was like, we really should teach people how to do it. And we started looking at different, you know, seminars and webinars. And we would see that a lot of people that look like me were charging people like $10,000 to teach them how to do real estate and teaching and charging them $15,000 and $7,500 and $30,000. And, you know, I said to Caesar, I was like, that's not right. I'd rather people take that 10,000, put it into a property and figure it out. So we said, let's start doing it. And we really started doing seminars just to piss those people off. Like (laughs) basically say F you, you know, like you're not going to do that. And we only expected like 50 people at the seminar that we did. And the first one we did, it was like 1500 people. The second one was like 2000, then 5,000 and 10,000. And then we just started traveling. And really teaching people how to do real estate. But not only that, we would bring everybody there. So we would bring credit repair. We would bring a hard money lender. We would bring a conventional lender. We would bring contractors. We would bring an attorney. We would bring, you know, all these people and explain to them what these people did. And then if they wanted to talk to the people, it wasn't like, aha, well, if you want to talk to them, it's an additional 5,000. No, it wasn't that at all. If you want to talk to them, yes, go talk to them. That's their job. And We kind of made a name by doing that and really helping the community learn how to invest in real estate. And, you know, we have so many calls of people that just bought their first home or were renting for 20 years and never knew that they can do it. And that's really how we got into it. And at the same time, I just kept buying real estate and buying real estate. And we bought a school and we're turning that into a 70 unit building. And we just kept going like that. And that's, you know, in music, I don't have a fund. There is no retirement. It's not like I have a retirement fund. There is no retirement for if you look for artists, DJs. Nothing like that. You have to figure it out on your own. So this was my retirement. The fact that I can have 130 units and that money comes in, comes in for the rest of my life. Whether I say something crazy on your podcast or say something crazy on the radio, it doesn't matter because nobody knows the homes that I own and that money continues to come in. So even when I'm gone, my kids can still get money. And I always encourage people to really look at real estate. I'm not just saying just keep it one thing in your portfolio, but that's something that continues to bring generational wealth and continues to bring wealth no matter what happens, no matter how nasty it is outside, no matter if I lose my job, no matter if I go to the club and get drunk, it doesn't matter what I do because that money will continue to come in. That's so good. So it makes sense why you love real estate so much. I mean, like we all love real estate. I'm also curious if we could expand why 
like what in your past or what what about you makes you so fired up to teach other people? You know, because there's a lot of people out there who just love real estate. And then, then there's something that about some people, I mean, like me and David here and obviously you two that says, no, we want the rest of the world to know about this too. Like you guys, like, what do you guys think? Like what brought that in? For myself is seeing people that look like me to be able to invest in real estate and to be able to own their own property. You know, Caesar Spanish, I'm, I'm black. So when we go and we, we're bidding on homes, we never see nobody that looks like us. Yeah. And we always say why, you know, or we go to areas where, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's Harlem, whether it's Patterson, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Chicago, whether it's parts of Florida. And these are areas where we are from and we live, but you see it being gentrified. And, you know, we're seeing people that don't live in our neighborhoods, but are taking care of our neighborhoods better than us, buying our neighborhoods up. And then the value goes up where we're pushed out and forced out because nine times out of 10, a lot of us are renting. So teaching us how to do it, you know, same way, you don't, you don't need a hundred thousand to put down. You know, there is something called the FHA where you can get a loan. There are grants that can help you out and really trying to teach our people how to do it. I'm good. I'm, I'm successful. I have money. Caesar's good. He's successful. He has money, but you know, what's your legacy going to be? I, I got to be able to say, you know what? I was able to teach a community how to invest in, in properties. We were able to teach somebody that had no clue and gave him inspiration. And the best feeling is when you hear somebody's mom hit us and say, hey, my son was 22. He was an F up. And now he's into real estate because he came to your seminar or, you know, a kid that had no clue and was renting for 20 years and be like, I don't want to be like my mom. Can you teach me? And, and that's what we're doing. You know, one of our biggest shows ever, I think it's actually probably our biggest show of all time, uh, Ashley Hamilton from Detroit, a single young uh, black mother who used her like tax return money every single year to buy a property and fix it up and then rent the thing out. And over the course of a decade, she was able to like get out complete financial freedom off doing that. It's like, I love that. Yeah, it's so good. It's so, yeah, it's not taught that widely. And you're right. When I go to a, I go to an auction and there's 50 guys that look just like me. Like, you know, like the, the, and it's not as widely taught. Brandon, where are you finding wizard auctions? Wizard? Yeah, that's what (laughs) you look like. Everyone looks like me, a Gandalf wizard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, maybe not exactly like me. I do have a a unique look to it. But uh, all right, so where do you guys see yourself headed real estate? I don't want to spend this whole show talking about real estate, obviously, but like, where do each of you guys see this headed in the future? Where do you want to get to? Um, You know, when I first started, all I wanted was... uh, 20, 20 units. That's all I wanted. And then 20 turned to 50, 50 turned to 100. And now I'm at a point where, you know, I just want my kids and my family to be good. You know, I want to, as much as, as people uh, hate Donald Trump or, or hate the Rockefellers or hate whatever, I, I respect the fact that when I drive in these different areas and cities, you see his name plastered on, on buildings he owns. And I want that to be for myself. I want to see my name on buildings that I own. I want to make sure that my kids are, all, you know, the fact that Somebody could come to their father and say, hey, I need a million dollar loan. I couldn't come to my dad and be like, dad, I need a hundred dollar loan. My dad would be like, well, you better go get a job. You know what I mean? But, you know, I want to encourage my kids to do that. Like my daughter who started her first year at NYU, she made me happy because her major is real estate. You know? That's cool. Not too many schools awesome. offer that though. I'm not going to lie. But she was able to find a school and she's able to learn from dad. She's able to learn from uncle C's and she's able to take the, the, the necessary classes. But that's what I'm I'm really encouraging people to do. Like there's worker bees out there and the people that are going to work for the rest of their lives. But I also want to really push people to invest and really to create that financial freedom. So you can do what you want to do. If you want to be in sanitation and you want to become a, a garbage man, that's fine. Like I, I want you to, but 
I want you also to make sure that if something ever happens, you have money coming in. Did you guys get that bug where the first time you took all this money that you earned and you invested it into something that made it bigger, that something switched where you just got like addicted to that? Just I just want to put all my money into this thing. Did you have a similar experience? What makes me the happiest is just putting a deal together and seeing a deal close from beginning to end. So just that first deal that I did, that first property. And after that, man, it was just, you know, like an addiction, you know, I just kept on and on and on. When I first started, me and my wife talk about it all the time. I said I wanted to make $5,000 a month in rental income. That's what I wanted. And then it went from $5,000 to $10,000. I said, you know what? Let me let me go to $20, then from $20 you know, to $50 to $100 and so on and so far. I don't want to show off, right? But, you know, it, it just keeps on. Where real estate is really, um, there's so many different ways that you could go from, you know, residential properties, commercial properties, developer, you know, that there's really no retirement, right? And the thing about real estate, especially when it comes to rental income, which is the thing that we push the most is when you think about everything in, in right, every single career, right? Either if you're an athlete, an attorney, a doctor, you know, you're a cop, a fireman, eventually your career will end, right? So your income and your salary won't be the same. But if you have rental properties, rental income is forever and it goes down to your kids and, you're in, and every year you raise the rents. So you're... Cash flow grow, grows every single year. And it's one of the only things that is, you, you know, you could be financially secure with. I like to think of it like a little oil wells, right? Where like every every property you buy is a little oil well. It's like pumping out oil from the ground. And you like, you put all this work and you buy the one and you buy the second and you buy the third. And everyone's now just pumping out oil. When you die someday, your kids get all those oil wells. And, you know, with current tax laws, like the kids get it at a, like a stepped up tax basis and don't have to pay any taxes on on like all that. It's, which may change, but it, it's it's just so... Well, that's why I was wondering if you guys had that vibe, because I remember the first time that it clicked with me, I felt like money's coming in from rental property or money's coming in from work, but it hits you different when you know you didn't go trade time for that money. It's 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 There's this sense of, I did all this work and I have this thing that will now just keep on paying that for me became the source of my addiction. I just wanted to get more and more of those because there, was, there wasn't a connection between me getting up driving to work, punching the clock to get that money. It was, uh, I already did a bunch of that work. Now it's just going to come in. Envy, was it similar for you or was it something else that was driving you to get into this? It was definitely that. It was knowing that my kids would be great. And I tell everybody all the time, between the first and the fifth, mm-hmm. when those envelopes come, and it could be a small bill, a small house, a small house that I own, and it's a $1,000. That $1,000 means more to me than my paycheck because I feel like, I worked even harder for that. You know, like today they just gave me a bunch of envelopes and you're like, wow, like I didn't have to do anything. You know, I already did the work for it and it comes in every first or the fifth. And, you know, even with me, I'm blessed enough where for me, I don't need that money. So when that money comes in, it goes right back yeah, out to another position. Right see how envelope right there? Yeah, there you see, go. Carroll Street is one of the, the, yeah. the properties I own. But when, that, when it comes in, it goes right back out to another property. You know, mm-hmm. so for myself, it, it's what else can you do? And I'm... Caesar's patient. To your quick story, I, I, we bought a house. I bought a house. The person that bought the house before me, it was twelve point eight million, right? I was able to get it for five point four, but the house was probably when I say I probably lost all the hair on my head. If I have any hair left, I probably turned gray because I just it was just stressful. And he was like, "Envy, we're gonna get the house. Just be careful. Just just be calm." 
And I'm like, no, this is, this is, I just can't take this no more. And, and, then, and he was like, when you get the house, it'll all be worth it. And we just did an evaluation. What was what was the value that today? Nine, uh, nine million. Nine Jeez. million. <laughs> five, five, four for it. Yeah, when did you buy that? Bought it uh, February 2020. Oh, wow. That's a nice way to make a, some equity. That's That's incredible. And it does. It, what's funny about real estate, actually, you hit on a really important point here. It's just that, like, when you're in the midst of it, like, and you're you're dealing with the drama and the stress, and we we've all been there. All four of us have been there, right? We're just like, I, I like, I'm just going crazy, and I want to pull my hair out. And then, like, you get through it, and you're like, oh, it was all worth it, right? Like, it's like that with almost every business, right? It's, it's worth it if you keep that perspective long term. But that's what I think. This is the good yin and yang because he's like that. Like, he's even even no matter what it is now, he'd be like, you have a problem? Don't worry about it. Just Let's call this guy. We'll talk about it tomorrow. My wife's like, no, we have to know now. She's like, we'll take care of it. I'll, I'll call. And, you know, it's nothing that's going to drive us crazy or kill us, but it always works itself out. All right. So how do you guys' wives play into your uh, current, like, you know, real estate? And I mean, just real estate, just your business life in general. So everything you do, like how involved are they? Uh, like what what role have they played? I'm curious if just like their their role in your life. Well, my wife is pretty much my partner. You know, she's involved in everything. She's actually, I'm more of the check writer. She She's actually more hands-on. Okay. If it was up to her, she would probably be out there fixing properties herself because uh, her dad's a plumber. Her brother's an electrician. Mm, so yep. I'm more of the guy that wants to pay everybody to do the stuff. She actually wants to get her uh, her hands dirty. Uh, but uh, she's 100% involved. She's been with me since the beginning. Uh, and everything we do, you know, everything we have, we, you know, we both did together. Yeah, my wife is uh, my partner, not as hands-on in real estate. We've been married 20 years this May, but she is my partner. She handles the bills. She handles the numbers. She handles the finances. I try to keep her away from real estate because she has very expensive taste. And a lot of times she doesn't know the difference between a flip property and our real home. Yep. Like she's trying to go get chandeliers for a flip property, but that's her. And I would say one thing about his wife. So, you know, when we when we bid on properties and we have to, a lot of times we go look at the properties before we bid on them. And a lot of times, of course, the doors are closed. His wife is the one that breaks into the house and yeah. go inside and see it. She's going to climb through the window. She's going to, you know, wiggle through the bars. She's going to MacGyver something to get the door open. <laughs> that is his wife. You know, she is strictly that. And, and you know, she, she gets things done. That's awesome. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor to get six months of rent ready for one dollar. What, what, what advice do you guys have for those people who maybe have a spouse that's not supportive of their real estate or their their ambitions to get out of the life that they have? You know, like there's like, hey, you, can't, you know, I was raised blue collar when we want to stay blue collar forever. This is what we are. That's perfect because his wife didn't believe it first. His wife told mm-hmm. him to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell him? Yeah, she tells me all the time, you're a dreamer. You're just like your yep. father. Go drive a cab. Yep. My dad had a couple of cabs in New York, the yellow cabs, mm. the medallions, which actually my dad wanted me to get into the cab business too. And I chose not to. And uh, thank God I didn't because now it's destroyed. You know, Uber pretty much yeah, destroyed. killed it. This in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them were like, you're a dreamer. Blah, blah, blah. Get a job. And I didn't listen to them. You know, people got to understand what real estate is numbers. If the numbers make sense, the numbers make sense anywhere in the country, you know. And the most important thing, though, that we the reason that we are successful in real estate is because we buy under market value properties and add value to them. Right. We never we're not talking about we're not teaching our seminar, you know, buy properties at retail over retail. Right. That's not what we're teaching. You make your money when you buy. Right. Because that's when you get your good deal. So that's the most important thing is buying under market value. You hit on a really good point there as well, Caesar. that had you invested into the taxi industry, you'd be in some trouble right now. There's there's innovation in business that you can't foresee coming, but it's very hard to see something replacing real estate. And I think that's another reason why we are all, why we double down on it and really why we're okay getting rich slow because real estate often takes time. I mean, if you buy right, like you said, Caesar, it's safer and you can get some equity, but you're usually not crushing it right off the bat. Like somebody who starts a startup and it, and it takes off. It's just so much safer than every other investment. Now I'm sure you guys have people that are afraid that'll say, I don't want to invest in real estate. What if I lose my money? What if this happens? You know, what are, what's some of the advice you guys give people as towards why you believe this is an asset class that is solid? Well, you, you have to understand something. Right? When I first started, just to give you an example, right? Like you said, it takes time because there's no such thing as overnight success. Most people don't understand that, right? They think, oh my God, I saw this guy on Instagram. He's successful from yesterday. 
It doesn't work like that. I've been doing this for 15 years. But just to give an example, when I first started, my rents in Patterson, New Jersey, were $900 for a three-bedroom apartment. Today, those rents are $2,000 to $2,500, right? <laughs> so imagine, you know, just by me, you know, sticking to, you know, my vision and just buying more and more properties where I am today. Because over time, with real estate, your values just keep on going. And especially with rental properties, right? My first love is rental properties. Yeah, I like flipping properties, but I think rental properties is really the key to long-term wealth just because over time, every year you raise the rents, right? In New Jersey, we could do 5% every year. So when you do those numbers and you have 50, 100, 200 units at 5% every month, once you raise that rent in January, that's a big difference as far as cash flow, right? And then the other thing is when you look at every single economy in the last, you know, any change in the economy in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, rents never go backwards. They always go up. It doesn't exist where you see rents going backwards. It, it, it doesn't happen. You're exactly right. We saw that in 2010 when all the foreclosures were happening. Prices dropped and you would have expected rents would drop too. But what happened is all these people that lost their house needed somewhere to live. And the people who didn't lose their house had the rentals. And so demand for rent actually went up. And and when I look at real estate, I feel like there's one Achilles heel in the whole thing. One thing that can make it not work. And it's if you don't have a tenant, because you got really one income source when you have a rental property. Um, but we're seeing that that is, that just doesn't happen. Rents don't go down. They, they go up as inflation goes up, but your, your costs stay the same. And I think, I mean, that's, once you see how that clicks, I feel like people, there's a sense of calmness and security that comes from investing in real estate that before you get in, you just can't really see that. You got all these what ifs going on in your head. You guys find that's a problem for a lot of people you're teaching. Uh, yeah, that's the main problem is the what ifs is, you know, somebody will get their credit, right. They'll, you know, they'll find out how much they can actually get from a lender, uh, they'll find a property, but they just don't want to pull the trigger, you know, and that's the main thing is getting people to pull the trigger. And, you know, we just try to encourage them, like, do it. You can do it. As long as you're getting the property for less than, than the value, as long as, and we tell a lot of people to do this, especially first time buyers, you know, buy a, a two family or three family, you know, live on one of the floors, rent out the top two, yeah, they pay your mortgage for free and you make a little bit. Then when you get comfortable, yeah. Go and get the next property. And, th- and that's what we encourage people. So that way they're not scared. Because we tell people all the time, you buy this property and you have a tenant, you're probably going to, uh, it's probably going to be l- way less than what you pay in rent anyway. Yep. So we you know, tell people to make that ch- and chance. And m- most people do that. They start off with a, a two family, a three family. They live on one floor, rent out the other two. And then they, they get comfortable. They understand what it is. And then from there, they'll jump and do it again. And that that's what we really feel good. But we definitely push people to really take that jump and to do it. My very first house, uh, like rental house, was a duplex. It was two houses on one lot, right? I lived in one of the little houses in the back in the alley. Like, it was this crappy little one-bedroom house. But I lived there for free. Uh, and, like, we, I mean, we still own that property today. I'm actually going to sell it now shortly just because it's appreciated so much. But, like, that got me into real estate. Like, I didn't have to pay a mortgage anymore because that other unit paid my entire rent. And so then I moved on to another one, rented that out. Now I'm making six, $700 a month in cash flow for years on that property. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, coincidentally, this has nothing to do with the the investment, but we found out later it was Kurt Cobain's like childhood home uh, that it was like a baby home. Like he was only like a year old when he lived there. But anyway, that was random. Doesn't do me anything at all, but a fun story to tell on podcast. But anyway, just kind of cool. So yeah, that's uh, that was my very first thing. And they, I tell everyone the same thing. We call it house hacking, right? Live in one unit, rent the other ones out. Such an amazing way to get started. All right, a couple more questions, but we'll throw at you. First of all, uh, let's go to this one. 
what's something that you each enjoy doing that you never get tired of? Like what's something in your business that you're just like, this is my, I love this thing. I'm this, this guy. In the business? Sure. I yeah, love, in your business. I love looking at homes. I enjoy looking at homes, uh, homes and cars. That's my two things. So at night when I can't sleep, I'm looking at homes and cars. You know what I mean? Uh, when I'm on a plane, I'm looking at homes and cars. I'm buying, you know, home books and car books. Those are the two things that I really, really enjoy. So those that that's that's what I do. And if I get an opportunity to look at a house, I love like we go look at houses. It doesn't matter if it's the 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 ishiest house, if it has heroin needles all over the place. You know, we we walked in the houses that had ish on every floor. One time there was a guy, you know, sleeping in one of the properties we bought. Another time there was a guy on the balcony. He had two chicks. He was having, you know, he had like a whole relationship <laughs> with it. Like they, these are the things that I really, really enjoy. So for me, it's, it's looking at look, going to see these houses. I love it. For me, um, I just love putting a deal together, man. It's just the art of the deal, you know, uh, which is one of my favorite books of all time. But uh, I just love putting a deal together, man, you know, from start to finish uh, and getting the deal closed. And um, getting people in there, renting the property or selling the property, it's just like a high for me. Do you find, Caesar, that that's because you have a stronger creative side and you get to exercise it when you're putting all the pieces together? Well, just like my wife called me, I am a dreamer. So I actually, you know, could dream through anything, you know, and, and, and dream about it and, and how it's going to, you know, what the finished product will be. And I would say one thing that you said about what makes, I, I call Caesar a genius. Uh, like the other day, you know, we just purchased a home. And we walk into the house and the house is, it's a two family and you could, in the attic, a finished attic. So we walk in there and, you know, we're looking at the house and seeing the work that has to be done. And I see Caesar, you know, walking, just sitting in the corner, just looking and calculating. And he has the mind frame to be like, you know what, this is two floors, two bedrooms. I can only get this amount of money for that. I need to make it a three bedroom and was able to figure out, you know what, we're going to cut this wall, put a wall here, put a door here, make it three bedrooms, this, that, and the other. And instead of getting, let's say, $1,800 a month rent, now we're pulling in $2,300 a month plus the attic. So he's able to figure that out. Like that's so, like I would I would have had to go back and think about that. But for him, that's always on his mind more and more and more and more and more. Hey, oh, there's a garage there. Oh, I could finish this garage and I could charge the money to park their cars in this garage. Like he's that way of thinking. And I, I know I have to get to that. that. Like that really impresses me about the way he thinks. You've accomplished quite a few great things in your life as well. And I want to, I want to get into learning a little bit about your mindset and how you did it, but we've acknowledged, you know, Caesar kind of has that creative ability. He could see a vision. What would you say that your skill is that you bring to the partnership? Uh, I would say creative and marketing. Um, I went to school for business management and marketing. And most people thought I would have went to school for communications, but I was already a DJ. So I didn't need, nobody could teach me how to DJ, you know? Um, so for myself is putting the play together, you know, um, I, I just remember when I first met Caesar, Caesar didn't want to talk. He didn't want to speak, but I knew that Caesar was a star in his own right. You know, what does a star look like? Nobody knows, but what he was talking and where he came from and the obstacles that he, you know, jumped over in hoops, I'm like, oh, he could be a star. So my whole thing was, well, let's market this together. Let's market from start to flip where now we have. You know, he has a book, you know, we have a TV show that we, we you know, we're doing with 50 Cent where it's going to be the first time where you see two dudes that look like us really teaching people how to make money in real estate, where we're not putting on a suit. We're not putting on a tie and a bow tie and saying, hey, how are you doing? No, we're doing it the way that we do it because this is honestly how we do it and we do it the right way. So I would say for myself is is the business side, the marketing side and then taking it from here and bringing it up there. 
Yeah. So what I see is that you are sort of driving opportunity and then Caesar's taking that and figuring out like, well, what do I do with it? Like you're, you're supplying the resources and then he's making them work. And this is Brandon. And I talk about this all the time. When you're looking for a partner, you don't want to go find your friend and say, well, we like each other. So let's get into business. You're, you're literally looking for a partner that has a skill set that you don't have. Okay. Like there's a reason you don't have a Kobe Bryant and a Michael Jordan on the same team. You have a Kobe Bryant and a Shaquille O'Neal. They're complimenting each other. <clears throat> same thing for a lot of athletes. And so I really like that you guys recognize that about each other and that you're both quick to say, here's where I'm not good. I think a lot of people are loath to acknowledge a skill that they don't have or an area of weakness. Whereas successful people, they, they, uh, <clears throat> they grab that right away. They're like, yeah, I can't shoot free throws. I don't want to be the person <laughs> going to the free throw line. You, you handle that side of the business. I really commend you guys for that. Hey, I, I want to jump into your kind of business management of your life for a second here, navigating a little bit away from real estate. Uh, and it's for both of you, but I'll start with Envy on this one. You got a lot of things going on. You got a lot of business. You got the, the 50 cent thing, which is, um, uh, that's awesome. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about that. But like you got, you know, the, the radio stuff, you got the real estate stuff. How do you manage your life? I mean, I know you have a business manager. Is that right? You have somebody that like, I know we were talking with uh, June, I think it was like, is that like, how does that, how does that, how does your life run? I'm just wondering like to be able to manage all that you have going on. If I like it, I go, I go hard. So everybody around me kind of does the same thing. They rarely sleep, like to go hard, but we, we enjoy it. So for instance, um, June, who you just spoke to is somebody I know since I was in high school who is an engineer and who left his job as an engineer to pretty much manage me, which I don't know how smart that was, but I mean, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> but um, that's June. So June handles everything when it comes to music, whether it's um, DJing, shows, endorsements, albums, anything that comes with music, he pretty much handles all of that. Uh, then I have an assistant. Her name is Mercedes. She handles anything when it comes to anything outside of that. So for me, I have a water company. It's called Positivity Water. That's in City Trends, Kroger's. It's in the Atlanta airport. That does pretty good. We have a Top Pop, which is a soda, which is was big growing up in New York, which I, I own a part of that. Uh, I have a podcast with me and my wife. It's called The Casey Crew, which we talk about everything that's, you name it. We have five kids. So it's merch. It's you know, YouTube, it's SoundCloud, it's appearances, it's the podcast, it's flyaways, it's traveling. I also have a car show. Now I own uh, 14 or 15 cars. I own 15 cars and we do these car shows every year. And, you know, people say, well, why do you have so many cars? Well, uh, my dad always say, if you have a hobby, make it make money for you. If not, it's, it'd be a distraction. And that's what my car shows do. So we have these car shows uh, every year in Jersey. This year will be Jersey, Atlanta, Detroit, Dallas, and one other market I can't think of in Atlantic City. And we do these car shows. And the car shows get about ten to 15,000 people where people can see different cars. But I don't make it about the celebrities. Because if I make it about the celebrities, sometimes I get the wrong crowd. I make it about the celebrities' cars. So I'll get Cardi B's car. I'll get 50 Cent's car, Michael Strahan's car, Dr. Oz's car, just different cars from different people. So you can come, you can bring your kids. And we do it like a fun day. So there's slides and rides for kids, but then adults could look at the cars, but then the women can get their nails done and get a facial. So we do those type of things with the cars. I have a book that's coming out next year, uh, May 2022. Um, trying to think of all the businesses I own. I have a juice bar that I own with Angela Yee and Styles P in Brooklyn that does pretty well. Um, so, you know, my, I have hands in, in, in a little bit of everything and, and everybody has a job and everybody knows their job. And even with the real estate, 
If it wasn't for Caesar, he's able to help me guide and tell me, oh, you need to do this. You need to make sure it's in this LLC. Oh, you need to call the accountant. Oh, you just got a ticket for not cutting your grass. You got to go pay that ticket. Like he's able to make sure that he gets it done. And what we do is we, you know, board an office so that, you know, we're in the same space every day. So we just bounce ideas off of each other all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, I was actually going to ask how you kind of manage your portfolio. And I'll ask both of you guys this question is, yeah, how how does that work? Maybe, uh, Caesar, do you have property managers? Do you guys have just all that in-house? Like, what's that look like? So right now I have probably about 30 employees. Okay. I have about three project managers, five property managers, and a lot of contractors. Yeah. Um, and his but, brother is actually the property manager. Yeah, so his brother is the one that... He's the number one property manager. He's the number manager. one property manager. He goes and picks up the rent and, and there if there's a toilet broken or if anything, like he takes care of all of that. But again, my problem is too that I, it's hard for me to like, I have a big team, but certain parts of my life, especially now, I do need more help, but it's kind of hard for me to like let go. Yeah. So I still have that part of me, you know, where like Envy has, you know, June, he has Mercedes. I need a Mercedes in the June, right? But I'm so hands-on that it's kind of it's, it's kind of tough for me, man, because pretty much at this point now, my whole, my number of priorities is finding the deals, right? Finding deals, but there's certain things that maybe I don't have to look at every single contract, or I don't have to go to every single appraisal. I don't have to go for every single walkthrough. Like I bought three buildings in Chicago in the last couple of months. I actually flew out there and I did a walkthrough every single property when they could have just FaceTime me or send me a video. But I'm so hands on that I need to touch everything, you know. And uh, so I, I kind of do have that issue where I need to let go a little bit more. Dude, I'm right there with you. I spent the whole weekend remodeling my closet into a little playroom, uh, sleeping room for my my one year old. So I'm like, I gotta hire this out, but like I feel like I had to get in there and get my uh, get my hands dirty into it. So I'm right there with you. That's cool, man. All right, well, let's go. One more question, kind of before we move on. I like to ask this question occasionally. What was if you look back? What was the greatest day of your? And I'll say real estate investing life, but if you want to pivot that one to just business life in general, like what, what day, what memory when you think back just makes you smile, go, oh yeah, that was a good day. I have two. One, when I bought this new house that I'm about to move in, I bought it. That one, that one was a great one. And when I bought those properties in Detroit, not when I actually bought the properties, but when I seen what they were worth a year later, I couldn't believe it. You know, we, we bought those properties for like 10 to 15,000 a property. And we sold them for about two sixty to two ninety each. No, nothing. <laughs> or cut the grass. Dang, I so, invested in the wrong areas. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that, awesome. that that was like that was the fact that I got in early and was able to buy that. That was that, and the third one. It was the third one. I'm sorry, we just bought a school. The fact that we bought a school is just the fact that we walk into school and be like, "Yo, we own this ish." Like. Mm-hmm. Crazy to me, like we bought a school, you know, that we're gonna turn into units. I'm like, this is 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 this is one of those things. I'm like, wow, ne- never in a million years. To me, for me, it was um, it was probably like year number seven or eight, right? Uh, there was a 30 unit building, and this was when I was getting into the big bigger properties, right? Now, you know, I had a couple six unit buildings, eight ten unit buildings. So this is my first big property that I'm getting. I'm looking at the numbers. I see it's a great deal. I'm getting the building for 1.8 million, right? I see the cash flow already, and I'm like, you know what? You know, this building's probably worth about four, four and a half. The reason that I got it so cheap was because uh, there was four brothers that owned the building together. Uh, they were Italian, and each brother had six kids. So once the brothers passed away, 
now you have 24, you know, uh, heirs, right? And they're all fighting with each other, whatever they don't want to do. You know, they're, they're fighting about everything. So I got a great deal. So I go to this bank, right? And we're about to close the deal. And they come in the room and the guy's like, hey, uh, did you stop doing what you were doing before? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you have a criminal record. And I was like, yeah, but the, I'm buying this building under my wife's name. Um, it has nothing to do with me. And, you know, he, he brought that up, right? Which kind of bothered me, right? I'm just looking at this guy. Like, yeah, you know, this guy, you know, he's not a nice guy, right? So they already had given us a commitment at that point. So we close on the deal. They do the loan because at this point, they can't really back back out the deal. Our, our taxes are great. We have assets, right? And at this point, they're like, you, you, do you really know what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So a couple months later, I come back and I tell them, I want to refinance now this property, right? Well, give me a line of credit. Give me $250,000 and I'm happy. You know, I, I put a couple hundred thousand into the building. The building's making more money now. You know, I, I got different tenants. I'm, I'm turning everything around. So they tell me, no, you're moving too fast. And I'm like, what do you mean you're moving too fast? You're buying properties too quickly. So a couple months later, I end up refinancing with a different bank. And I, at, uh, at the closing table, I sent them a picture uh, of the HUD and the check. So I ended up refinancing that property and pulling out $2 million. Ooh, that's a good day. That's yeah, a real so good day. No, one of like the highlights of my career, just rubbing in those guys' faces. Yeah. Right? Like I said, you know, call me a criminal. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that, that was one of my biggest highlights. That's so good. Awesome, guys. All right. Well, we got to get you guys out of here in just a minute, but uh, we'll, let's go to the last segment of our show here. It's time for our Famous Four. All right. This is the Famous Four, the part of the show where we ask the same four questions to every guest every week. And so this is really more like the Famous Eight today because we got two of you here. So uh, we'll, we'll toss it at each of you. Uh, first of all, let's go NB. We'll start with you. What's your, do you have a favorite or like an all-time favorite or impactful real estate book? Anything you've read in your past that you're like, yeah, that, that real estate book changed my life. It's a new book. It's called Flipping Keys. It's all right. a book of uh, Caesar. Yeah. All right. How to get into the real estate business. He didn't come from, he came from nothing. Absolutely. Learned real estate in jail. How crazy is that? I think this is the best book out there right now. I love it. Caesar, what do you think? Anything other than, the, than that one? Which I hear is phen- I hear it's phenomenal. To, to be honest with you, my all-time favorite book is actually uh, "The Art of the Deal" by Donald Trump. Just um, I read that book in prison. Uh, I, I read the Rich Dad Poor Dad and all those other books, but I, I think uh, that "The Art of the Deal" by Donald Trump. That's one. I think that's one of the greatest real estate books ever. I've never read it. Is it worth reading? Yeah, it's it's definitely a good book. So there's a lot of is there like creative strategies? Is that basically what yes, the book's focused definitely. on? You know, like I said, my, my old time high is putting a deal together. So uh, that that's definitely one of my favorite books. All right. What about your favorite business book? No, I don't, yeah, I, no, I don't no, think no, I have one. Really, you know, I, I think we're pretty much more self-educated than anybody yeah. else. You know, we just figure it out ourselves when it comes to. I'll pivot and it might be, you might have nothing to say there either. I'm just curious. Do you have a favorite business personality, mentor, teacher, or someone that you like to follow? Maybe you listen to on YouTube or something like that. Me personally, and this is just growing up from my environment, is, is Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say Jay-Z is because what, what he's been able to do with a lot of his businesses, um, you know, what Jay-Z does is he gets into a business, he brings the equity way up and sells it. He did it with Rockefeller, he did it with, uh, uh, what was his clothing line called? Uh, Rockaware. He, he just did it with uh, Ace of Spade. He's, he, does, he does it with a lot of his businesses. And that really inspires me because I, I see what he does. He buys it, he makes the world love it, and then he sells it and makes $500 million. But then he doesn't just walk away. He, he invests a lot of that money back into the communities, which I really love. Brandon often says the Mark Cuban quote that business is a sport. 
And what it's really getting down to is there are fundamentals, just like any sport that when you learn them, you can play it. And like, that's a great example you're giving of what you guys do in real estate is the same principles that what Jay-Z is doing with businesses. You, you, uh, when you learn those fundamentals, you can apply them to whatever business you want to get into, which is awesome because there's a million, well, there's a billions of people that are in the world and they all have different personalities and different things they're interested in, but these principles work for everybody. So that, that's a great answer. Thank you for that. I'm not one to usually throw around Jay-Z quotes or anything like that, but like the, the one line that he, I know where he's going with this. Is, yeah. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Yeah. That's so you good. said the one yeah. JC quote. Yeah, that I know. Brandon that's Turner the only one I know. Thank you for setting him up for that <laughs> one line. <laughs> yes, that's why. <laughs> All right, Caesar. What about you? Uh, any online influencers or anybody that you that you follow? I like Grant Cardone. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm about the units. You know, yep. he has ten thousand units, and I like yeah. Gary too. Both legit guys. Both been uh, guests of our podcast in the past. So good dudes. All right, next question, David. Well, we haven't got Jay Z on our podcast. Is that weird? We have not say? got Jay Z yeah, yet on our podcast. We're, we're working on that. We need Jay Z and Fifty Cent. Those are on my on my list now. So that's my guy. Fifty's my guy. There you go. When you, when that show comes out, I uh, if you want him to get some promotion for that show, I would love to have him on the show. It'd be yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely great. And if not, we'll take DJ Shrimp if you can. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about some of your guys' hobbies? I would say my hobbies are, are my cars. I love cars. As a kid growing up in Queens, you know, I'm like any other kid. You know, you point at a car and say, that's my car, you know. So now that I got a little older and I could afford them, I buy them, you know. from uh, I have a 1988 M3 E30. I have, you know, 850, the old ben, you know old BMW with the lights that go up. I got the SLR McLaren with the doors that go up. These are all kids, all cars I've seen as a kid that I wanted. So I think my hobbies is, is cars and my kids. You know, I have five kids, so... I'm pretty much an Uber driver when I leave here. So, are you? Do you view your cars as an investment at all, or do you treat them as like is this just fun, or do you treat them as an investment? Both. So okay. I purchase cars that uh, will appreciate in value. The majority of all my cars appreciate in value. Whether it's my E30 M3, which is the the first M3 that they made, the first M series, I paid uh, fifteen thousand for it. It's worth about eighty thousand now. Has eighty thousand miles on it. Uh, my eight series, I uh, paid about twenty thousand. It's worth fifty thousand. I have a 918 Spider. I paid about 1.1 for it. It's worth about 1.5. I just ordered a 4 GT. Uh, I paid about 500 for it, and it's worth about 1.1 now. So, yeah, so a lot of my cars are appreciating value. Some of them are just, I lease and I just like them because I like them, but the majority of them are, they appreciate value. It's amazing. As far as me, I like toys. Uh, WWF, 80s wrestling, GI Joe's. Uh, he man, I wish you'd seen his office. His office is behind this right yeah. here, and he has nothing but wrestlers, Star Wars, GI awesome. Joes, all types. Yeah, you sing- literally mean toys. I thought you meant like grown up toys, like jet skis, <laughs> no, cars. I you know, especially the kid. You know, I, I'm I'm 42, so I think back when we were growing up, toys were way better now. Like Thundercats. You know, oh, I love Thundercats. Voltron. Transformers, any toy you can think about from the, from the 80s and 90s, I, I collected all of them. My kids come here and love it. They love messing with these toys. Are they, are they like out of the box? Like you could play with them? They're not like still wrapped up in the packaging? Oh, those That's I keep awesome. at home. Yeah. Okay. The investments, right? There's a lot of information going around right now from some pretty influential people about the inflation that's happening with the U.S. currency. And wealthy people are actually looking and investing into things outside of the dollar. So cryptocurrency is one we all know about, but baseball cards, action figures, comic books, this type of stuff is 
for the people listening that don't know, wealthy people are already getting into this because they're losing faith in the value of the dollar. Mm-hmm. It's crazy right now. That basketball card market and you know baseball card. I know guys with a lot of money and they're investing millions and millions and millions and going up. And like he, w- one of my friends told me the other day, what he invested like two million dollars and he's up nine million. I'm looking at him, baseball card. <laughs> like, and now he's teaching me, and I'm looking at him like, oh man, he's right. Gary V talks a lot about you know baseball cards. I, I thought he was it was like a it was a gimmick. It was like you know it's kind of a silly little thing. I didn't realize until recently that like that's a legit thing. Like people are doing this. He's official, bro. He's he's one of the big dogs right now. Yeah. And I think Gary he, he pushes the culture too. You know he's one yeah. of those guys that can say it and it'll go up in price. But he was yeah. on it early. He told me about it early, and I was yeah. like Gary V, you're bugging. All right, last question from me. Anyway, what do you think? separates successful real estate investors from all those people who just never start. They never, you know, they never, they give up early. Uh, you know, like what, what stops people from giving up? I think it's the drive. And I think that's in anything, you know, people, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time, you know, we all know a DJ, you know, and, and this is not big of myself, but we all know a DJ. We all grew up with a DJ. We all knew a DJ growing up, a DJ in high school, a DJ in college, but where are they now? Most of them are not DJ, not because they weren't better than me. Cause I'm not the best DJ out there. But I'm the one that's going to push the hardest. I'm the one that's not going to sleep. I'm the one that's going to outwork you. I'm the one that's going to continue to push no matter what. I have that drive, you know, and that's what makes me better than all those other DJs. And I think that's the same thing with real estate. You know, it's Caesar has that drive. I have that drive. Like when I come into the office, I I tell everybody all the time, Caesar's on his phone so much. He's actually on auction.com. He's on HubZoom. Um, he's on all these different websites looking for properties, looking for homes because this is his life and this is what his investment is. When I call him on the phone, he's like, Envy, meet me at this property over here. Envy, meet me. Like it's real estate 24-7. And that's the reason why he's so successful. In it. It's, it's that drive. It's that drive will take you out of being regular to being one of the greatest. That's the thing with a lot of people too, right? The other thing is that people think that anything that you do, right? I think in life, there's no such thing as a perfect situation, right? You into something and you have to build it up. And then eventually that situation, you make it into a perfect situation. But along the, along the road, you got, you got to bob and weave. You know what I mean? There's going to be times like the thing, you know, a tenant's not going to pay the rent or you won't be able to do a closing and flip a property this week. You know, there was a snowstorm. Uh, they Nobody can come to the closing table. It's going to be next week. So I think a lot of times people, you know, they get punched in the face and they don't know how to move around pretty much. But you got to understand nothing's ever perfect, you know. There is no such thing as the perfect deal, the perfect situation. You make that deal perfect by putting in that work. All right, guys, this has been a great interview. Really appreciate it. You guys gave some incredibly insightful answers. Where can people find out more about you that want some follow up? You can follow me at DJ He's at flipping underscore NJ. Uh, and we do seminars all across yeah. the country. So our next seminar is going to be March 14th in Atlanta where we actually teach people how to do it. You know, we don't charge thousands of dollars for it because that's not what we do it for. We actually do it because we want to give back to our community. We want to get to a spot where we can get a Home Depot, a Lowe's, a MasterCard, a Discover to basically say, hey, we'll fund it, but let's do the community. So that's where we want to go. So our next one is at Atlanta. And during those seminars, we bring people. We bring credit repair. We bring conventional lenders. We bring hard money lenders. We bring uh, sometimes people from auction.com to explain how the system works and how you can do it. We, you know, we show you pictures. We show you the HUDs. We show you everything so you can never be like, that's not, that's not true. No, we bring it and we break it down. We a- a- answer questions and we really get thorough with people because we want them to be able to invest. We want to make sure that everybody's not renting. So our next one is March 14th and we're doing one in New York in uh, 
April or May as well. So that's what we are. But you can always follow us on Instagram. And remember, pick up Caesar's new book, Flipping Keys. There we go. If you want to learn how to get in the industry with nothing, it's a, it's a great story. Really great story. I'm picking it up today. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. If you ever want to do a Maui you know, seminar, you know where to find me. I'm out here in Maui. We'll, we'll, do, <laughs> we'll do a real estate seminar from the beach. It'll be amazing. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> I've been there before. I stayed at the Four Seasons. Oh, yeah. So nice. Yeah, he's like five minutes from... Well, I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast, but... I'm like five <laughs> minutes from there. I'm like five minutes from there. I can see it from my... I can see it right now, but look out my can see window. it from my house. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's not bad. All <laughs> right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, David, you want to get us out of here? Caesar Envy. Thanks a lot, guys. This is David Green for Brandon. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Turner, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.